0: You are listening to the Magnetic Marketing Marketing Secret Gold Members Only Podcast. So it's, it's possible you feel about this somewhat like I feel about this. <laughs> like, really? Another one? Um, but, uh, but I do have some stuff that I think will very directly help you, uh, help you make some money. So... Um, We will spend some time talking about price, and uh, then as Dave said, don't go anywhere unless you absolutely must, because we want to honor our marketer of the year, and we have a few other cool things to do before the end of the day. So, um, we have right now, I don't know if you know it, but in Texas right now, there's sort of, the elections are getting organized, and um, Kinky Friedman is now running for um, agriculture commissioner or something, um, and uh, I believe he tied in a runoff election or some damn thing. But this is this is um, this is when he was running for governor. This was his campaign pledge: if you elect me, the first Jewish governor of Texas, I'll reduce the speed to 54.95. Um, not not everybody would get that joke, but uh, he's a pretty cool guy. So. We're gonna talk about three things. We're gonna talk about price elasticity, um, how to find it in your prices and stretch them some so you get more money for what it is that you do, uh, which links to how to protect your profit in a marketplace that that is ever increasingly attacking profit. And in many business categories, it's sort of the untold story is that their grosses are okay, but their profit margins are not. Uh, Room room occupancy in uh, Vegas last year uh, was up for the fourth consecutive year in a row and profits were down for the fourth consecutive year in a row. Uh, So, uh, uh, mid-range restaurants, very much this story where people are buying activity um, at the expense of their profits. So we're gonna talk about protecting profit and last, of course, it links to how much power you have in the marketplace, because power is mostly about how big is your fist and how big is your fist in marketing is really how much money can you spend to acquire a customer, how much money can you spend to keep a customer, how much money can you spend to wow a customer, and how much money can you spend to multiply a customer. So they all sort of link together. The first thing about price that I always talk about is, is that you can't really look at price without looking inward as well as outward, and we tend to project our own, so you hear it done with marketing too. In fact, somebody asked a question when we were doing Q&A one time, and the usual question is, I would never read all that copy. Therefore, my prospects and customers would never read all that copy, right? And so they project their own behavior onto the customer. However, they're not their customer because they're not a buyer for what it is that they are selling. So in price, people project their own past and present relationship with money and what they will spend for things onto their customers, but that is not reality. And so we get in our own way by what we have in our own head and by what we will do with money and what we are willing to spend for money. So, for example, there are very rich, very, very rich guys who can't bear uh, to do anything but fly coach. And so you could actually, in coach on Southwest, be sitting next to somebody worth $50 million. Doesn't happen very often, but it does happen. And were that person to project his attitude about money, uh, he would never, ever, ever invest in an airline, that his revenues were dependent. So, you know, Warren Buffett went years and years and years and years and years before he started flying by private jet, he did fly first, but he flew commercial because he felt guilty about money about the ridiculousness of private jet travel, which it is ridiculous. Um, I always say, but I get free parking. Uh, But, but, you know, it is, there's really no rational justification for it. Uh, But, so Buffett finally made it okay for himself by investing in net jets. So now he has to fly private because he owns part of the private jet company. But were he to project his own attitudes, he never would have invested in NetJets. So we have to be really careful. I have this, um, so how many of you know who Iacocca is? Lee Iacocca, okay. How many of you know the coupon story? I don't want to bore the hell out of everybody. Okay, most of you don't, so it's instructive. So we're at, uh, so for the few hands that didn't go up, you can Google them. okay? Trust me, he's famous. Um, uh, so, I'm at Lee coca 's house in Palm Desert, California for two days with a small team of people from Guthy Ranker who have been trying to get him to do something and they're making no progress. So, Greg has sent me to try and figure out why there's problems, which is not this story. It's another instructive story, but it's not this story. And so, it, and this house is on a golf course. and. It's roughly the same size as the country club that's on the golf course. I mean, Lee's loaded, and the house shows it. And it's time for lunch. And Iacocca kind of apologetically explains the housekeeper's not there that day, and he's incapable of rustling anything up. So we'll just jump in the van. He's got a minivan out in the driveway, a Chrysler minivan. And we'll just run quickly down someplace and get some lunch. So we all climb in the van, and off we go to Village Inn Pizza. Which Village Inn Pizza is like a—it's like a low-rent Pizza Hut, you know. For those of you who don't know, it's a fast food joint, and they have like the—you go through a cafeteria line, and so there's you can get pizza by the slice and get salad and so forth. So we all go through the cafeteria line and we have our little trays. I, coca says, "I'm buying," <laughs> <laughs> which I mentally say, "If that was news to you." it was It was not news to me i I, I already knew you were buying, you know, but i 'm buying you know big spender here, Papa um, and um, so 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 we get to the cash register and he fumbles around his jacket and he gets out coupons <laughs> and he 's got coupons to use at Village and Pizza. afterwards, we go back to his eighteen million dollar house on the golf course, right so you should let this slide. You know, it's like somebody—it just the same as if he came into the meeting with no pants. I mean, the smart thing to do is just ignore it. You know, but 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 I mean, I can't. You know, so uh, you know, Ron White's great line is, "I know I have the right to remain silent. I just don't have the ability." Um, so, so about three o'clock in the afternoon, everybody's kind of on a break, and I said, "Look, I said I, they're off by themselves," and I said, "Look, I I don't mean to, I hope, you know, I'm not gonna offend you, but I gotta know, what's what's with the coupons, you know?" He says, "Yeah," he says, "I know that kind of looks stupid," he said. So here here's the deal, he said. First of all, like I like Village and Pizza, and he says the housekeeper who. Only sort of speaks English. She's been with me for a long time. But she, only, but she knows I like Village in Pizza. And she clips the coupons for me out of the newspaper and brings them in to me. And so I feel bad about not using them. He said, but beyond that, every time I start to, like, take them and just, you know, put them in a the shredder and, you know, the housekeeper will never know the, know the difference. He said, I think of my mother looking down on me who would be really disappointed in me if I wasted money. So, I used the coupons, right? He says, does that make me weird? I said, oh, no, not at all. Uh, uh, you know, uh, perfectly, now that, you're, now that you explain it, you know. But look, everybody, so everybody's got stuff in here, a lot of stuff in here about money, which relates to prices, and some of it is really not healthy. Right? And it will get in the way of how you price. Because you will say to yourself, my God, that's a lot of money. You know, I mean, part of price, like Disney, I know they run classes where they make people stand in front of mirrors and practice saying the prices with a straight face. I mean, I know that's, you know, that's wedged right in between Disney culture and, you know, there's a class on this. There has to be. Right? And so a lot of us have to do that. So the first thing about price is you've got to kind of get out of your own way when you build your price strategy. And the main stuff that gets in the way is this. One is thinking people foolish for their value judgments and responses to price. You know, I would never pay. So like we recently... Carla foisted on me, which actually, it's only the second piece of technology I like. Uh, She actually foisted on me one of these little curry coffee maker things that makes coffee by the cup. Because I've been making my coffee with the little bags, you know, the Folger bags, and you heat the water in the microwave, and frankly, it's not very good coffee, but you know, I don't care. And I don't want to mess around with a pot. So so this thing has been foisted on me, which I resisted. But i got to admit, it's an improvement, and it's cool, and it works, and it's not so. It and the fax machine are the only two decent pieces of technology that exist in the world today. But but I, I will grant that this thing is, is okay, right? But it really is stupid, because as near as I can figure out, it's $25,000 a pound for the coffee. I mean, really? We're buying... So I hadn't bought any until last week, and Carlos at the other house at Reston, and I'm running out. So, you know, I buy two cartons of these things, and I get to the cash register, and I'm like, huh? You know, I'm not at Starbucks, I'm at, you know, the grocery store. You gotta be kidding. And I see they sell on TV. Have you seen the thing they sell on TV? They're selling essentially empty cups in a little kit. So you can buy coffee at a reasonable price and fill your own cups, which seems to be just as much work as if I went and got a pot. So I ruled that out. But so, you know, I actually think I'm kind of an idiot for paying this for, I mean, I'm paying as much as if I went to Starbucks for a cup of coffee. And so we think people are foolish for What they pay for a pair of boots and well I would never pay that for a pair of shoes or you know what they paid to stay somewhere or whatever and you can't let that get in your way. Your value judgment does not matter, their value judgment is all that matters, being critical of what people choose to do with their money. There's the very famous case of the CEO who went to jail and they made much out of his $3,000 umbrella stand. You know, um, and uh, if he wants a $3,000 umbrella stand and he earned the money. Now, if he stole the money, that's a different conversation. But if he earned the money and he wants a $3,000 umbrella stand, the only question that should be in your mind is, what else can I sell this guy? I'm not in the umbrella stand business, but you know. There's got to be something else he likes as well as umbrella stands. So we can't be critical of what they do with their money. Hypersensitivity to competition and comparables. So most business people are way too concerned with what other people are selling stuff in the same category as theirs, what prices they're selling at. This is the wrong concern. The right concern is how do I make all that irrelevant to my consumer? Not obsessive worry about oh, they can get it over here, or they can get something just like it, and the tyranny of normal and customary. So every industry has its formulas. Now, First of all, there's general formulas. So if you go, somebody, a gentleman from the U.K. just told me excitedly that he's going to get in his MBA, and God bless him. But, so one of the things they'll teach you is general pricing formulas. And then every industry has its normal and customary ways that we price things. And so what? Normal and customary means somewhere between mediocrity and failure. It's the last thing you want to, you can price any which way you want to price. But on foolish stuff people spend money on just very quickly for fun that we might have different value judgments about. So most guys probably know by now, but purses? Unbelievable. It's a stinking leopard skin purse. Really? $28,000? Are you insane? It's a purse. It's a sack, for God's sakes. <laughs> you know? I mean, so we would look at this, and most guys in the room would think boots? Hmm. That's an $8,000 pair of boots. Eight boots? Eight thousand house. This everybody would understand better, but you know, muscle car restorations. So this is about buying a used Chevelle that's worth about twelve hundred bucks and pouring forty thousand dollars into it. That's what this is about. Right? It's the equivalent of going and buying a thirteen thousand dollar broken-down house in downtown Detroit. And hiring an interior decorator and putting eight hundred twenty thousand dollars inside the house—that's really what this is like. And yet, a lot of us do it. Um, this is this is an an ironing table, you know, that you iron clothes on. The low rent model that's actually shown in the ad is fifteen hundred bucks. However, they got one; they sell for eighteen thousand dollars. I'm not exactly what it does, be sure what it does besides iron the clothes, I would hope, but there it is, right? Cigars, you would be amazed at what people spend for cigars. Many of you have seen this. It's a very successful product, by the way. Very successful direct response campaign. Does anybody own one of these things? The, the four-minute exercise device you guys own? It? See, now I can see you on it, Rick. I, 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 I gotta, really? What what exactly have you been using it for, Grant? I mean, let me look at the handles. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Okay, it it fits the industry standard. The handles, you can hang laundry on it. Yeah, you can hang clothes on it. Okay. Well, you never make a piece of exercise equipment that handles point down because the clothes fall off and everybody's aggravated. Um, So, I mean, seriously, are you riding this thing? No. Did you try? Oh yeah, there you go. So this is so this is the four minute, four minute a day exercise device, which the way it's been explained to me is, uh, you better be in really good shape when you get on this thing, or or it will kill you, because it's real. You get a full workout in four minutes, but could be fatal. But but fourteen thousand six hundred fifteen bucks, and by the way, they sell a lot of these, classically generation. You order a free DVD, they send you a DVD, they send you a package of information, and then somebody gets on the phone and sells you the $14,000 price. This is a, this wastebasket over here, which is a replica of the president's wastebasket, I'm not sure which president, maybe it says. Um, um, these are, this is a museum quality reproduction of the Oval Office desk turned into a wastebasket. <laughs> Which there's some irony to that, is that. It? <laughs> um, um, it's $595 for the wastebasket. Okay. By the way, I deliberately picked ads that run a lot. So it's not like some moron got in the $595 wastebasket business, ran the ad once, and went out of business. Okay. I deliberately picked ads that appear again and again and again... And again, this is, um, what's kind of instructive about this ad uh, is that, so the name of the company is Model Quality Introductions. And I'll come back to the slogan in a second because it's entertaining. Um, This is a matchmaking agency. But this ad runs in the classic car and muscle car magazines. So it's aimed at people who, so the slogan that they use in those magazines is, Model-quality introductions, male-owned. Nobody gets women like we do. I don't think they mean gets like understands, <laughs> like empathetic. I don't think that's the story. Okay, so uh, their starting fee for their service is $15,000. This is instructive. This is the ultimate adrenaline package. Cross this off your bucket list. Okay. So this is race in three of the most prestigious and well-known off-road races in the world. So you get to go race in the Baja 1000, the Vegas Torino, and the Mint 400. I'll just quickly tell you everything you get. So you get a brand new uh, 2014 Ford Raptor. You uh, get three arrive and drive off-road races. You get a week of driver training by top-rated professional drivers. Uh, You get a week of wining and dining and entertainment during your training in Las Vegas, which would seem to be counterproductive for serious training, but... uh, You you stay for the one week at a luxury MGM mansion behind the MGM hotel. You get personal physical training before each race. You get uh, private jet for you and your entire crew to and from the races. Uh, You get a helicopter chase for each race, so they fly over top of you with a helicopter to make sure that you don't run off the track. You get a personal film crew to document your entire experience for a mini-movie of yourself. You, of course, have a professional pit crew, chase crew, and staff of mechanics. Uh, You have up to eight drivers and co-drivers of your choice for the race, because you're really not going to be able to do this. Um, LAUGHTER um, you get a custom helmet and a race suit, uh, custom graphics on your race truck, uh, and a souvenir watch. Um, anybody want to guess? How much? Ninety-seven. His guess is one ninety-seven and one one hundred ninety-seven thousand. anybody anybody think lower? Any, oh, it's on there. Oh uh, well, <laughs> shit. Two hundred and ninety-five. $295,000. $295,000 sale. Oh, and I found the cat stuff. I found the cat stuff in my book. So I was wrong about the price, but still. So it's $85 bucks for a 4-ounce bag of the, cat, of, of, of the cat poop coffee. And this is one of the actual websites for the cat poop coffee. So if you want cat poop coffee, it's in Chapter 7 in uh, No BS Price Strategy is where the cat poop coffee is. So let's talk about strategy. So number one, you gotta understand, price matters a lot more to you than it matters to people you may be selling to. Our own price attitudes are very much in our way and it matters more to us. So in every category, even categories where there is price destruction, there are still tiers of pricing all the way up to super expensive. So a category where there has been great price destruction is law, which, good. But so LegalZoom.com, horrible price destruction. So we can go do our will there, do our estate there, do our asset protection there, do our incorporation there. Not me, okay? I don't, probably not you, and if you, maybe you shouldn't, but I assure you, Buffett is not forming his next LLC at legalzoom.com, even if he owns a piece of it. Okay? It hasn't eliminated the $35,000 fee for the estate plan from the highly qualified person dealing with the highly qualified client. So even in categories where there's enormous price destruction, the high end still exists. So where's the guy? There, there you are. It's a wonderful shirt. Stand up so everybody can see your shirt. It's one of those designer shirts. What's his name? Robert Graham. Robert Graham. What'd you pay for that thing? 200 bucks? Is that, is that all? You sure? Really? Got it. What, did you buy it off eBay? What? No, I have a friend of mine who's selling it. Oh, so that's an off the back of the truck Robert Graham shirt. (laughs) I understand. I understand. Okay, so other than, and we're away from them now because I'm going to the plane and traveling, so I have stage shirts, so I wouldn't pay. Personally, I wouldn't pay $200. It would kill me to pay 200 bucks for a shirt except the stage shirt that I wear with a suit with cufflinks and all that stuff in order to get up in front of people and sell. So I pay more for those. But it would kill me to pay 200 bucks for a shirt just to schlep around like you, right? I mean, you know. You, you married? I am. To her? I am. For how long? She ain't going anywhere, okay? All right? Thank you, you know, you, you don't need a $200 shirt anymore, Bubba. You wear one of these, okay? I mean, just for the record, okay? You know, this is, this, 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 this is a $29 shirt. I'm a happy camper, okay? But, say, every category. So there's a $200 shirt. Somewhere there's a $2,000 shirt, right? And in many cases, you wouldn't, it, you wouldn't be able to tell apart from that shirt. Which sort of, it looks, it's sort of the crazy painter, Walt Disney threw up kind of, you know, shirt. I mean, so every one of these categories, right? So there was a time, smoke detectors in America used to be a direct sales product. Maybe some of you remember. So to do a house with smokes was about a $4,000 sale. Then all of a sudden, as you know now, you can go over to... CVS, for God's sakes, in between the lawn chairs and the candy and, you know, before you get to the pharmacy, you can buy a smoke detector for like, what, nine bucks? Nineteen, easy, right? So the smoke detector business did disappear. The heat detector business didn't disappear. Now, it is a shadow of its former self, but it is there. And it is still a direct sales business. And people still come into your home, and they bring the stuffed Dalmatian dog under one, Arm for the kids, and they bring the PowerPoints presentation and they sell you heat detectors, which is about a six to eight thousand dollar sale per house. Nothing has eliminated it yet. How many of you have heats in your house? And were you in the business? No, good for you. Did you buy a retail, somebody come and sell them? Good. How long ago? Five, six years ago. Oh, see, that's recent enough. All right. it just as three minutes of education, you should have them. All right. So here's a lie about smoke detectors. Up here right now somewhere there are sprinklers in case this place bursts into flames. And they have a little head on them that pops off to turn on the water. They are not hooked to smoke detectors because we'll all be dead. They're hooked to heat detectors. And over 40% of all deaths in home fires occur before there's enough smoke to set off the smoke detector, just for the record. Heat detector's a marvelous product, by the way. Have you seen Heats, Rick? Yeah, Yeah. I mean, it's a metal can, basically. It's a flat metal can, no electronics. It's a flat metal can with a spring, coiled up, metal spring, coiled up real tight inside, and the same thing that's on the, the water thing up here stuck on the end. When there's enough heat that pops off, just like it would pop off here, which lets the metal spring uncoil inside the can and it makes a noise. It makes a hell of a racket. That's the whole product. It's brilliant. And so they hang about eight of them in your house and they charge you six grand. Still exists. Hasn't been killed by the smoke detector industry. In every industry, There's price range. A lot. Disney has most complex price ranges. There's meal plans. There's discount properties. There's five different levels of properties. There's four different levels of meal plans. There's express pass. Now there's super express pass. There's private guides. Now there's two levels of private guides. On and on and on and on. The current base level of private guide now is going to 535 an hour. When we were just there, our guide was explaining to us, he had a trainee shadowing him. Their biggest problem is they can't get guides trained up fast enough to fulfill everybody that wants to rent a private guide at $535 an hour. They, just, they can't get enough quality staff in order to do the job. So price tiers exist everywhere. And if you see low price and you think that has to govern you, You are wrong. Second thing, find and remove practical money obstacles. So the obstacles in your own head that affect how you price are one thing. The obstacles that are practical that get in the way of getting top price and getting money flowing to you are another. I'm gonna show you just one example because I think the statistics will fascinate you. But the money obstacle in a business can be a person, All it takes, like in your front desk, with five people there, is one person who's got a lot of crap in their head about money. They'll ruin everybody else, and they'll sabotage your price strategy. I was sitting in a cosmetic dentist's office about three years ago now, in the reception room, a dentist I know, waiting to have lunch, and right close to me is where the patients come out and take care of money. And I hear the person say to the staff person, a woman, she says, you know, I was never contemplating having to spend this kind of money. Now there's a number of things you could do having that said to you, beginning with saying nothing. Guess what this staff person says? I know. And you know, it's a very upscale dental practice, but doctor, I won't say his name, has three kids in really good colleges and he just bought a new Jaguar. He's driving to the office every day. And in the office where my friend works you really can get the same dentistry for almost half off. Now, you think that's the only time she did that this week? I'm like, pfft, I'm back in the back. That doc's got his hands in somebody's mouth. I'm going, you gotta come right now. <laughs> right now, baby, <laughs> yeah, right this instant, Yeah. I'm at a success event. It's the worst. So we always had temporary sales crews, you know, but you get temps in a city. The best ones were Mary Kay people because they knew how to sell. Then some cities we had church people, which is okay. Some people we had temps like from Kelly Girl or, you know, one of those agencies. That was not, like, the worst. But in a few cities, you had to use the union guys because you were in a – so we're in Chicago – and at the arena, and our sales crew is in orange coveralls with their feet up. And when I walked past, one guy was looking at Hustler. So I'm back. This only happened once, by the way. I'll tell you how we fix it in a second. So I'm now back there afterwards. I've done my presentation. And I'm back at the room, and there's a crowd, and there's a stampede, and I'm standing the the edge of the tables right here. And the Staff's in there and customers are here and I'm standing here talking to people and I hear, am I right? Did he say $287? Let me see what I'm getting. And the guy, he says, and the guy says, seems like a lot of money for a notebook. And the guy in the orange coveralls says, no shit. (laughs) I'm over the table. Boom, over the table. Get out of the way. Okay, everybody, I'm filling the orders. We had a union grievance, we had all kinds of crap. Peter had to deal with, I didn't care. From then on, when we went to a union city, he paid all the union guys their wages and made them stay home. That was the negotiated deal with the union. Here's your money, however, we're staffing the tables with our people. Because that ain't the only time he's gonna say that. Goes on, all so it could be a person, it could be a rule, I call it the sales prevention department. Okay, where rules have been put in place to prevent people giving you money. And I gotta tell you, the higher your prices and the more fluent the customer, the less tolerant they are of the sales prevention department. They're usually buying stuff they don't need. See, like that guy's probably got another shirt. Okay? So it probably wouldn't take aggravating him much before he just walk away from the back of the truck. Phones not answered So I'm going to give you this one example In a little bit of depth Just because it's It's more important than most people realize So if you have any kind of a business Where the or one of The portals Through which new people come Is a phone answered by humans So here's actual stats. Jay Geyer gave them to me just this past week. He went and got them for me. So of of 31,191 expert test calls, they do mystery shopping calls, to dental offices all across the country, only 60% answered the phones live during normal business hours. Four out of 10 went to voicemail or more than 30 rings. I have a great story about that, by the way. I'm staying in this really crappy motel, and I call to get a room, you know, to get a wake up call, and the front desk phone just rings and rings and rings and rings and rings, you know. So by the time it hit 50, I hung up, small town, I called 911. (laughs) I said, I'm staying down here at this hotel. I don't know exactly what's going on, but I've called the front desk 50 times. Nobody's answered. They may be getting robbed. They may be tied up in there. I don't know. I'm afraid, I'm afraid to go down and check. That police cars, sirens, lights. It's great. It's fabulous. It's just great. Um, made my night, you know. Um, of all prospective patients will not leave a message nor will they call back. Only 3% of the staffs could answer simple, commonly asked questions, no-brainer questions. Only 3% of the staff could get through three of them. Only 4% ever asked for the caller's name, just the name. Only 2% actually made any attempt to set an appointment. That's 624 attempts out of 31,191 phone calls. Now, keep in mind, somebody paid for every one of the 31,191 calls. And their staffs attempted to set an appointment with 624 of them. You've got to, like, force them to set an appointment. Only 1% made any attempt to capture the caller's contact information for follow-up. So whatever 1% of 31,000 is, what is that, 311? Somebody took a whack at, let us send you something. That's what's really going on. Now, that's not what those dentists think is going on. And they would vehemently deny it, by the way. And it's not a unique disease in dentistry, I promise you. So that's a way that will keep money from flowing into your office. Dr. Anzalone is here. This is from his newsletter this month. Uh, I'll just read it. so he's with a client, another doctor, who stated he had some concerns about how his phones were being answered due to the low monthly patient numbers that have been occurring and asked if I could help. This is hands-alone. No problem. I called his office, placed a call on speakerphone so we could both hear, and I played prospective patient John. John recently moved into the area and was told by his former dentist that he needed an implant and also a tooth removed with the possibility of replacing it with an implant in the future. I was asked basic registration questions. Then I asked if the office accepted my insurance commonly asked question, right? Surely they got a script for this. This is where the call took a wrong turn. Instead of stating that the office was not a provider by insurance, but all filing and paperwork would be taken care of free of charge, the receptionist began stating insurance codes to me to write down to and then told me to call back after I talked to my insurance company. Bye. Bye. So, with this leaky of a bucket, which shows up in your statistics, right? So you now say, here's how much money we gotta spend to get a customer or a prospect. Here's how much it costs us to get a lead. We don't dare do anything to drive one away. So with this leaky of a bucket, how aggressive about pricing or anything else do you think a business owner is likely to be? See, the link here is, For you not to be a price coward, you really have to have your act together every step of the way so when you do get a prospect and a customer, they are handled appropriately for the level of pricing you want to do. Next item. Wealth fact for you. No less than 5% often to as high as 20% of consumers, will always opt for the better or premium option or ascend to higher price tiers because of who they are. As much or more than because of the offer you make because of variable value, because of variable value propositions. They, that's what they do. So if he had gone to a store and hadn't bought that in a parking lot out behind the liquor store, off the back of a truck, right? Chances are there were shirts there for less than $200 that also looked like somebody spilled paint on. But because of who he is, he walked right past them and bought the designer name, expensive shirt. So one of the great things to remember about your price strategy is if you have a price and you are hesitant about just raising it, figure out a way to add a premium choice. So create an A, B option. If you need to, take something out of the low one and move it over here to the high one or create some new stuff for the high one. All right. But create a premium option and price it If you want to be conservative, 25 to 30% more in your base. If you want to be a little bit more aggressive, price it at one and a half times your base. If you want to be really aggressive, price it at double the base. Sometimes we're triple or quadruple. um, And put both options in front of the same people you were putting the one in front of. And you will see that somewhere between 5 and 20% of the people, if your premium offer makes any sense at all, will gravitate to the higher offer. Now, if it's more than 20, a, disc, a different discovery is being seen. And the higher, the more beyond 20 it is, the more this is true. If it, broke, if it breaks 50, half or more are taking the high one, that's too many. So that tells you Now you can throw out the bottom one, you can make your B option now the new A option, and you can create a new premium option at a higher price. But somewhere between five and 20, as much because of who they are, as because of anything else, will take the higher option. So the car wash in our community, if you go to an automated car wash, Our car wash has three price packages. They got a basic, which there's a list of stuff you get on the sign, which is basically you get the car washed. Then they got a middle one that you get all that stuff, plus some more stuff. They spray the undercarriage off, and I don't know, they do four or five other things. Then there's the super package, which has all that stuff, plus another five things they add, most of which is meaningless, It's an extra foam surfactant that shines the hood ornament, and it's some kind of rust-proofing stuff, um, and it's a whole list of stuff. So I always buy the premium one. I don't know what I'm buying, but that's what I do. I've got a really expensive car. If there's good, better, best, I want the best for it. And I don't understand it, but it says, good, better, best. (laughs) I do not need to understand it. All right? I buy the best. All right? My travel agent is always trying to save me money because she projects herself. Now she's on commission, right? She gets a percentage of what I spend. That's the deal. Every time I have her book hotel stuff, all right? I say we're going to Atlantic City to the Borgata. Call the Borgata. Get me the best suite they got. All right? She always calls me back, and she's, like, horrified. You know, I got the best suite reserve, but it's $1,280 a night. Now, the VIP suite, which is only 800 square feet less, is, I said, Carol, you're on commission. All right. you, should be try, you should be telling me we can get two of the best suites hooked together with a door between them. In case we get in a fight while we're there, you know, neither one of us has to live without the sauna or the hot tub, you know? I mean, don't be downgrading me for God, but she does it all, and she's well-intentioned, I, you know, but because she's into what she would spend, right? But I'm so good, better, best, right? They got a deluxe room, they got a suite, and they got a super-duper suite. I want the super-duper suite. That's what I want because that's who I am. There's two great stories, so and i 'm going to give them to you in brief, but you can go find them if you want to. So my friend Sid, Sid, Sid Sidney, who many of you have this book, but so Sydney, in her former life, way, way, way back when, uh, as many of you know, uh, was famous as the Mayf- infamous as the Mayflower Madam, and she ran at the time the highest price escort service in New York, and as an aside, by the way, for out of category advertising. Uh, she advertised in the Financial Times. Everybody else in her business advertised in the Ball tabloid newspapers. So, so I'll just read this to you. At one point, this is her voice. At one point I noticed that we were being asked, if I paid more money, could you send me someone prettier? Or if I pay you more money, could you send me a 10? And do you have any girls who are more expensive? These are the three questions people are asking without being prompted. Let's see. 90% of the time it turned out that what they meant by a 10 or more expensive was tall, blonde, beautiful, busty, and under 25. Um, having, Having never been someone, this is important. Having never been someone who voluntarily offered to pay more when I could get it for less, I was fascinated by these requests we were already getting top dollar for the best girls available in New York City, yet here were clients begging to pay more. So I charged them more. Good for her, right? Eh? So she discovered that contrary to her personal experience, there were people who almost, no matter what price you quoted them, their immediate reaction was, can I, Give you more. The other book, which you may have read, but you may not have noticed this, is the book that I did with Chip Kessler about Brinkley. So, how many of you have read the Dr. Brinkley book? Good, okay. For those of you that haven't, so Dr. Brinkley was the richest doctor of his time selling, you know, you've seen it, haven't you? The first cure, he's in this business. So, the first cure for erectile dysfunction in America at the turn of the century, which Brinkley sold goat gland transplants to men's testicles well everybody knew farm country, goats are randy in case you don't know so the pre the premise is goats are always horny right? therefore if you're not we'll just stick their testicles on yours and bingo you will be all right? so this, this is the premise all right? there's a word for it, the alternative health industry it's called faux science um <laughs> Ultimately, Dr. Brinkley even discovered differential pricing. To offer a premium price service to an affluent few, to the prospective Brinkley surgical candidate who revealed he could pay for the very best, Dr. Brinkley offered this suggestion. Why lower yourself to receiving what the common ordinary man receives in the form of testicles from a goat when you can have implanted in your body the glands from a healthy young man? we won't, I'm not discussing the ethics or practicality of any of this, I'm just so. Rarely, if ever, should a product, service, or offer be presented without option pricing or tiered pricing. Because you are leaving somewhere between 5% and 20% of the customers behind who are dying to buy the premium option, and you don't offer them one. So the alternative health industry and product business and the financial newsletter business, this is their basic model it drives between the two industries, just the print versions, the newsletter and book part of that business, it drives at least $2 billion a year in revenue. The supplement people basically do the same thing. Almost all their offers look something like one of these. So this is yes, and then this is best deal, save X. Great deal, save this. Okay? And then there's a bonus if you respond in 10 days. Okay, Here's best offer, great offer. You get more bottles, you get more free reports, you get free shipping. Okay. So there's two ways to order the ultimate. So this is paper and ink over here. This is a newsletter order form. This is GLOP. Okay. So this is bottles of CoQ10. Uh, and so you can get the great offer, or you can get the best offer. Now if you go and collect a thousand of these from this industry, you will find 900 of them have two-folds and 100 of them have three. Good, better, best. It's It's the absolute unbeatable control in their business. And in some cases the only difference is the load. You get three bottles, you get a year's supply of bottles and you buy at a slightly better price, but there's actually not much price differential, and you get three reports instead of two, and you get free shipping. That's not a big difference. It's a huge difference in profit if 20% of the people take this one. Huge. Okay. So I promised you a case history. Here's one. I got them from the 40s this past year from a $47 average tra- transaction to a $130 average tra- transaction. Here's what, what we did. We switched to an AB option with $47 and a 1.97, one nine, big leap. 30% take the 197. Then we got another 40% taking a $997 immediate upsell on the back end of the first presentation, which adds $39.88 to the average and gets us to $131.88, all right? I didn't change product. I didn't change presentation, I didn't change pitch, I didn't change anything but the structure and the presentation of the price. That's how you can go home and make some money. So you don't have to reinvent everything, you just have to tackle the price. The key price elasticity factors are, who's buying, from whom they are buying, loops back to my work with Nick Nanton, to everything we talk about in the affluent course. This is very important. Price elasticity has a whole lot to do with from whom they are buying. Where they are buying, place matters. Two chiropractors, one does his case presentation with people standing up in the corner of his cluttered crappy office with the light box at the wrong angle and bad lighting. And a noisy and a noisy partition wall between him and his staff. Another one has a professional closing room where everything is done right, where they are buying. How they are buying, what the process is, not what they are buying. Imagineers told me that ninety two percent of Disney visitors spent more than they spend more than they ever plan and budget to spend. So if you go to a casino, what do you see? Where where sometimes are the most people and where do they go most frequently during the course of the evening? ATM, absolutely right. They go to the casino or they come down from their hotel room but they go to the casino, the regional casinos, the convenience gambler who drives the casino. He takes just the amount of money he's willing to lose for the night and leaves everything else at home but his debit card. There's ATM machines everywhere, and they're at the ATM machines. Disney and Vegas have so much in common, it's incredible, Over 70% said they spent more than double what they planned, but they're all happy. So it's up to you to figure out how to get people spending so much more than they thought they would be happy. I'm not gonna tell you, but I will remind you about the balls at Disney. You guys don't, how many of you have heard the ball story? Yeah. I'll just tell you the punchline, okay? So you see there's three size rubber balls here. These are rubber balls. They're sold at a kiosk at Disney, okay? So everybody walks up and says, how much is that one, the big one? And he or she says, with a straight face, only $200. Which I thought when I first saw it, it's just there as a red herring. It's the Dean F. Duval deal I told you about, right? Nobody buys those things. It's there to make the others seem reasonable. So, which everybody does then say, well, how much is a little one, right? Uh, only $95. And how much is a small one? Only oh, $50, right? And so, now you would think, but no, most people buy one. I'll, okay, I'll take one big one. I'll take a medium one. I'll take two. So I was turned loose, and so I bought three ones, six ones and six little ones. Well, we got six grandkids, right? So I got, They get them flat, by the way. You got to go to a gas station. You don't blow them up. So, I got, so I, got these, I got these flat balls. And the upsell, by the way, is the bladder. So the balls are guaranteed for life, but the bladders inside can blow out, and they're replaceable. So you need a pack of bladders. And they're big, medium, and small. So I got the balls, I got the bladders. You know, I got this armful of this stuff. When I'm meeting back up with Carla, who says, "What are those?" <laughs> so that that's that's a bad question. But the question that, of course, follows, is, "Well, how much did you spend on them?" That's a really bad question. And your arms are full, so you can't even go like, "Look over there." So you can't yeah, screw. She was in a free class during the Food and Wine Network, and between the cut-go knives and the balls, the free class cost like five grand. Um, um, I need supervision where people are selling things. Um, uh, so, the three goals for price strategy that you should always have in your mind as you think about it, is number one, to figure out a way to have it accepted as reasonable. Number two, to have it believable. We're not just making it up, Okay. And number three, four, to be irrelevant in the context you create with the person to whom you are presenting it. If you achieve these three goals with your price strategy, you have enormous price elasticity. Probably more than you can ever imagine. So, how do you make a big price reasonable? Most common thing people do is they discount from a higher estimated value. And that's okay, it works. But people have seen it a lot. But it works. Exclusivity, only one person in an area can have it. That immediately makes price elastic. There's only 10 of these things. That immediately makes price elastic. So George Barris's deal, which now is kid with the Batmobile, the TV Batmobile, is they're allowed to build, I forget the number, I think it's 12 a year. They're allowed to build 12 a year in their whole deal with Warner Brothers and so forth. And so there's all the old ones out there circulating around. You can buy them at auctions and stuff, and then they make 12 more every year. Now, if he had negotiated the right to make 124 a year, I think he would have wound up at the same net money place that he winds up with 12 because everybody knows there's only 12. And so they sell them for stupid money. I've almost bought one twice. I would love to drive around in a damn Batmobile. I just, I've come so close. I mean... I just looked at a used one a couple months ago, one of the older ones that's now made to rounds through three or four owners, and it was $200 $286,000. And it's not in great shape. I mean, it would need some work. But I mean, I, I came close. I mean, I just, the idea of just driving up to the, get gas at the Speedway, you know, next to the tree hugger with her little hybrid. in my my Batmobile and turning on the red light and the bomb smoke and it just appeals to me. Uh, So exclusivity, right? The individual's reasons, not the good and services, right? So what really makes private jet travel reasonable? Well, one thing is the value of the person's time and sanity who's traveling. That's one thing that makes it reasonable. If you actually do have high enough chair side value, then buy in, the, buy in a day is very, very valuable. Right? Another might be family issues. Make it very, very reasonable. Free parking. What makes premium accommodations on a cruise reasonable? The overwhelming majority of the people who take their first cruise have saved up for it. They think it's the, old, it's the vacation of a lifetime. They're never going to take another one like it. So the argument is, this is your blowout deal, so you're only gonna do this once. You don't wanna be in an inside cabin in the basement. What makes a diamond's price reasonable? Well, the diamond industry has spent five decades getting people convinced that a formula, a multiple of your annual wages, this should be a warning to people. But they've designed a formula that is a multiple of your annual wages that makes it reasonable. So let me show you how I present price. So if you come for a consulting day, and towards the end of the day, we are now having the conversation of what can you do for me? Like, how much of this can you do for me? How can you help me? How can you write this copy? What project can you put together? And how much is it going to cost? Here's what you're going to see. Right. So step one, you're going to see the list of the items created on the legal pad in front of you. All right each item listed. Then I write the number of days or portions of days next to each item that it is gonna take me to do them. We have already established the value of the day. You paid $19,400 to be in the room for a day. You've already accepted that. It's important. Then I multiply the whole thing, so I add up two days for this, a day for this, a half a day for this, it totals up to whatever it totals up to, times $19,400 gives us the retail price for the work. Less an economy of scale discount, because I'm doing a bunch of stuff at the same time and some of the copy that we need over here also gets used over here, etc. and or a special status disc discount, because you came so far, because you're from Russia, because you're a Titanium member, because it didn't make any difference, right? because everybody likes a deal, right? we arrive at a fee. It's a perfectly reasonable fee. You accepted the basis for its calculation, and you saw me calculate it. And you didn't see anything that didn't make any sense to you. Well, yeah, it probably will take a couple days to do that. Well, yeah, it probably will take a half a day to do that. So when it's all done, it's perfectly reasonable, how to make others' prices irrelevant, sell in a closed and protected environment. So the worst place to sell, if you go to the ASD, AMD, Closeout Industries trade show, the big one every year is in Vegas, but they have regionals. So companies, like, or companies that import stuff mostly are there and sell stuff, the dollar stores all go there to buy. So Bill and I used to go all the time to find stuff to use in marketing campaigns to you. So you can find stuff, Superman dolls, and you can find watches, and you can find all this kind of stuff, cheap, right? So it's all imported crap. It's all made by children in China. By the way, with Disney opening up in China, the kids are finally going to be able to see the stuff they've been making. Um, Disney, by the way, hates that joke. It's a very commonly told joke, and they hate it uh, for obvious reasons, because it's true. Um, So this show, you know, there's thousands of exhibitors. And so let's say it's watches. And so let's say I want a really cheap wristwatch with a big dollar sign in the middle of it, because I'm going to use that in a direct mail campaign for the wealth seminar, all right? and i find it and i dicker with the with the asian gentleman and we finally get to you can buy them 144 and you know they're a buck 12 a piece two steps down two booths down there's another guy with the same watches and across over here there's another guy with the same watches if you actually walk the show you may find 50 guys with the same watches so what does every customer do we'll go over here and say You'll sell them to me for a buck 12 a piece. The guy says a buck 11. Perfect. He said a buck 11, buck 10. Finally, when that's rock bottom, move another aisle over. Hey, I just dickered with all the guys over here. I'm going to go back and buy it at a buck 09, buck 08. It's amazing. It's amazing. We were getting stuff where we were, they were like paying us to take it away just because they couldn't stand the other guy getting the same. Well, that's the worst place to sell anything you got to get out of there, right? You can't win there. Some version of that happens to a lot of people. That's why I say you can't leave your customer online. you got to take them offline. you got to sell to them in a closed and protected environment. I was just with a client upstairs for an hour and a half, and we are right now, uh, putting people into a weekend seminar with a ninety-seven dollar seat deposit, and we are selling twenty percent of them a fifty-five thousand dollar coaching program. Okay. If we let them shop it, if there were four people in the hotel in the same industry, nobody would sell for fifty thousand. Somebody'd be selling it for five. So you got to get them into a closed and protected environment. Sales has to happen in a vacuum. We have this incredibly stupid thing for copywriters. I'll tell you about it in case you want to shop for a copywriter. It's called Who's Charging What? And it's an annual directory that copywriters incredibly pay to be in to put a page in that describes who they are and what they do and lists you know their resume credentials and the companies they write for and their rates. The people who published it invited me in free. I said, I don't think you can pay me enough to go in there. The dumbest thing I've ever seen. Why on earth would you want? You're like in a singles dance, you know, lined up. The ratio's really bad, right? There's one woman and there's 812 guys, right? And here you stand as she moves along the line, looks you up and down, and asks your net worth. And then she picks, well, this is no way to, right? So you've got to get into a closed and protected environment. You've got to create a category of one. Unique selling proposition, unique value proposition, mix of goods and services. So comparison is impossible. If your price strategy can be comparison shopped, you have a terrible price strategy and it needs fixed. I don't care what industry you're in, they should not be able to comparison shop it. If everybody else sells by the visit, you better sell by the program. If everybody else sells by a program, you get to figure out how to sell a different way. If they sell by the month, you better sell by the prepay. If you sell prepay, if they sell prepay, you may need to sell by the month. You cannot be compared on price. Because pretty much if you can be compared on price, somebody will sell for less than you will. And in many cases, nobody can judge quality, talent, skill until after the thing has been delivered. So you will lose. And there are people who are willing to price themselves into bankruptcy court. And spend a lot of money advertising to get there. Happens all the time. So, you cannot create a price presentation that can be compared. Third, sell to people who consider price last, not first. Why waste your time selling to people who make their decisions by price? Now, if everybody did, so people will tell me, oh, in my business, everybody shops by price, everybody makes their decisions by price. Really? Really? So everybody in your industry drives a Kia. Nobody has a Keurig coffee machine in their office. All right, we better If I go to 500 people in your industry and I see a Keurig coffee maker in their office, I'm gonna kick your ass. Because right? if they're buying by price, they're at Costco buying coffee in 55 gallon drums. You could actually buy the coffee at Costco in a 55 gallon drum, hire a midget, give them a scoop, let them get the coffee out for you and spend less than you spend on the little Keurig cups and there's chronic unemployment in the midget community, so you would actually, it's like 16%. I mean, they only get hired when they're like doing a remake of Wizard of Oz. Other than that, they're chronically unemployed. Oh, I know, I know. A lot more of them worked until they outlawed midget bowling. See, that was a, okay. So, there's a bunch of people who do not consider price first. So the first kind of people who consider price first are poor people, they have to. All right. don't sell to poor people that's social work, that's not business let somebody else have them encourage them to go someplace else All right. don't be in the business of selling to poor people All right. so we want people who consider price last, not first see by the time I get to the end of the day I can actually hand them who's charging what here they don't even want to look that's what you want to do because the kind of people who come to me are not going to make a decision on who's going to do their marketing based on who's got the cheapest price. They don't have to, and they're smarter than that. All right. I don't let the dumb ones and the broke ones get that close. Align yourself with a person's thing in life and with a powerful emotion. So everybody has a thing. Most people have several. About, for which price is no object. And they may be really cheap about other stuff. So for me to spend 200 bucks for a shirt would, would just kill me. I would be, it would drive me nuts, unless it's a state shirt I'm wearing to make money in. That's different. That's equipment. But if to buy one just to wander around in, I mean, it, 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 it would kill me. But there's pretty much price, no object, save for the racehorses. Right? Right? We need need the new blankets with the magnet therapy things sewn in them. Great. Get 22 of them. Trainer says, because he's like my travel agent, well, we could get eight and we could just move them around to the horses that are sore and save some, no, 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 get 22 of them. Don't you want to know how much that? No, get 22 of them. I'm trying to win a race here. I don't care. All right? Speed wheels. The little wheels, the so-called speedy wheels, are $800 a wheel. I got horses I'm racing that are worth less than the wheels on either side of the sulky. The horse is between. I don't care. Doesn't matter. I don't I need... Don't, well, we could get one set, because we, we've got three different sulkies for We could move. No, no, no. Just go get three sets of wheels. Right? But don't ask me to buy a $200. Sure, everybody's the same way. So everybody's got one or two or three things that are their things. If you can align yourself with one of those things, you have enormous price elasticity. So like, I really don't care about you know, the coffee. I mean, the curry thing's working out okay, but I was, I've was, i been using the bags for 10 years. I, you know, don't matter. I discovered them when I was divorced. I've kept using them. Carla sleeps late, so she's never up to make coffee. So the bags are okay by me. I don't care. Hot brown water doesn't make any difference to me. All right. Carla, however, coffee is one of her things. It's like wine. So she can tell you where the beans come from and This one and that one, and we have a coffee maker in the kitchen that looks like the space shuttle. God only knows what it costs. I don't want to know. And our stepson is an MIT grad, and the last time he was there, he couldn't get it to work. (laughs) So I guess she's taking a class. I have no idea. It's got a little, like a little iPad on it that you make it work with. For all I know, it's hooked up to Coffee Machine Central in Houston, and there's guys that scream, oh, Carla's using a coffee maker. And they activate the system, and I, I don't know, right? But it takes up a crap load of space, I can tell you that. So I found This is like the best thing i found lately. It's nine bucks in a catalog. It's a plastic thing, and you can put something on it and you can pull it out and you can shove it back in. So I got two of them and I got it on so you can see the counter every once in a while because this thing is like a Buick. It should have a hood on it, right? And it makes 67 different kinds and it blends the coffee and it makes lattes and it, you know, I could, but that's her thing, right? And we'll only have it for about six months because as soon as she gets it, she's on the search for the next new technology that has developed in coffee makers. I had no idea there was technology. Mr. Coffee, you know. No, no, no. There's technology to coffee. There's the exact temperature of the water and the exact number of seconds. and So everybody's got their thing, right? Now, Carl is the most frugal person on earth. So I know this thing cost a fortune. You can tell just looking at it. It had to cost a fortune. But about other stuff, you can't get her to spend money. Bless her. I mean, I, I always tell, seriously, this is true. So every time she leaves to go to the other house, I, like, clean out the refrigerator. doesn't matter. It winds up the same way a month or so. And if you open our refrigerator, if Carla's been there for a little while, the, just, the entire interior door is full of bottles of salad dressing, all upside down, with two drops left in it. I'm like, squeeze it, nothing comes out, throw it out, right? No, 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 no. These are all there. All right? The only way you are getting salad dressing out of this bottle on your salad is you take a bite of lettuce, you put the bottle up here, you, and, you, and you squeeze and suck, squeeze and suck, squeeze and suck. All right? and you take another bite. This is the only way you're getting anything out of these bottles. But we are not going to throw them away. In the freezer, there will be an aluminum foil-wrapped thing. One. One. What exactly are you going to do with one of anything? There is a Brussels sprout. <laughs> well, you can't throw away a Brussels sprout. I said, but you got this coffee maker over here. It's probably on a lease. We're probably paying 3.97 a month for this. Th- you know? I mean, so everybody's got their thing. If you align with their thing... Price is elastic. If, by the way, you're aligned with something they don't really care about, you have no price elasticity, none. Then if you couple this with emotional reasons for buying, then you get even bigger price elasticity. So a little promise case history. We cut a list being mailed monthly from 25000 to 14000 by doing better selection. That increased the list cost. Then we increased the cost of the mail piece because we were mailing the less. I said we could spend more reaching the less. We segmented him into three. And so last year, we increased the first-year client value by 30%. We improved the closing average and the sales presentations by 10% all about getting to the person for whom this client's thing was in alignment. So number six. Life is so much better when you are dealing with a pre determined buyer. The objective you want by the time they get to you or to anyone who is representing you. The goal of it all, of all the marketing we do, all the advertising we do, all the positioning we do, the goal of it all, Manhattan program, Clunst program, everybody's program, the goal of it all is to have predetermined buyers. By the time they come to you, they should be like they are when they come to me predetermined to have you provide whatever it is you provide, you, only you, if they can get you and if they can afford you. That should be their mindset. So some of you know, some of you don't. Tell it anyway. It's instructive. I, um, one of the cars I own is, uh, Dean Martin's Rolls Royce, um, 1986 Rolls Royce convertible, and the only person it's been titled to. There was an owner in between, but he didn't title the car, so it's titled from Dean Martin to me. Uh, it looks like I bought it from a dead guy. Um, um, and so I don't want. I didn't want a Rolls Royce. I don't really want a Rolls Royce. I mean, I do kind of feel a little funny driving a Rolls Royce. But so we're at the Imperial Palace Museum in, in Las Vegas. And we're walking around, and here's Dean Martin's Rolls-Royce, and I'm a Dean Martin freak. And so we stop, and Carla's got, she's got smartphones and stuff, I don't have any so she's got her phone with her that takes pictures and brews coffee and whatever the hell else it does. <laughs> and so now I'm getting my picture taken with Dean Martin's Rolls-Royce, and of course you read the signage and all that stuff. And we take a couple of steps, and Carla says, you're going to buy that, aren't you? In that tone. Laughter. The, now you gotta understand. At this point, I already have. I got a regular car at this time. I have a 1972 AMC Javelin AMX. I have a Lincoln Continental 1963 convertible, right? And I got a Jeep Wagoneer, and we have a two-car garage. And so this is a this is a big to do as it is, right? And so I say, of course not, you know. And to tell you the truth. I've never told her. It actually hadn't occurred to me. But, you know, since you suggested it, now it's rolling around, you know. So it's only a few more steps before I say, just keep walking. I'm just going to go for the hell of it. Okay? That always precedes buying. Um, I'm just going to go for the hell of it and see if it's for sale and what it's selling for. So you got to walk. It's a pretty good walk back up to where the guys are at the desk. So by the time I get there, I'm buying it, Because right? I have now had time to go through the mental process of it's Dean Martin's car. I've got to have Dean Martin. This will be really cool. And it's got a cassette player in it, so, you know, we'll only play Dean Martin in the cassette player and I'll be driving Dean Martin's car and, you know, who else has Dean? So by the time I get there, I'm buying this car. So by the time I get there, you see, it almost doesn't matter what number they are going to say to me Because I am predetermined to buy this car. Now, I don't want any other Rolls Royce. Period. You could offer me one for eight grand, I wouldn't want it. Because I feel funny driving. I don't want a Rolls Royce. But I want this one. And by the time I get there, about a five-minute walk, I want it, like, bad. By the time I get there, I'm rehearsing my answer in case they say, no, it's not for sale. I'm working on my script. Right? Because I'm going to buy this thing. To get there and say, the car's for sale. The guy says, everything in the world's for, for sale. I said, write that down, right? I said, so I made some money already. I got some right down here. So I said, okay, so that thing in the world that's for sale, how much is it for sale for? And he quotes a number, and I said, great, terrific. I want it. Here, go put a deposit on a credit card. My mechanic, come in, check it out, and we're buying a car. So now I walk back, and, of course, I bought this car, right? Now... That's predetermination. That's what you want. You want to be Dean Martin's Rolls Royce to your buyer. That's what you want. So by the time he goes through your process, he has got himself in his head to the point that he wants. So I used to go to clients. So I used to actually get on an airplane And I used to go meet with prospective clients. I switched that for non-business reasons. But it turns out to have been one of the best business things I ever did. Because now, by the time somebody gets a day booked, they must then pack up their stuff. They must get on a plane. They must come to Cleveland. Which, by the way, Continental just moved out, you know, because they canceled us as a hub because United bought them. So most of the direct flights went away. So it's even worse, right? So they must come to Cleveland. Then, because I'm not in Cleveland, I'm out like in the middle of nowhere between Cleveland and Akron. They have to rent a car, because this is not cab country. And they have to find their way to Macedonia, Ohio. Where they have to stay the night before in the best hotel in the area, which is a La Quinta, <laughs> right? with the portable air conditioner and the, you know the faint smell of something and the, you know, so they have to stay in the La Quinta. For me to pick the- by the time they have done this, to go home not having hired me to do something for them is like you driving 150 miles to a mall and coming home without shoes. Right? It's like, oh my God, what a failure. Right? By the time, And they've had time to think. See, they've been on a plane and they've been sitting up awake in the La Quinta. Right? <laughs> so they have had time to do what I did on the way to the Rolls Royce guy. They have figured it all out in their head. All the way to what are they going to say if I don't want them? That's what you want. You want to be Dean Martin's Royce, Rolls- And if you are, price is incredibly elastic. So, quick list of price and fee fa- failures. Some redundant to points we've already made, but here's the complete list. Number one, pricing by textbook formulas or industry norms. It would really be better if you didn't know them. It's hard to erase what you already know, but it would be better if you didn't know them. That's not how you price. Number two, excess concern about what others are doing. Number three, attracting people who buy, buy price out of necessity or out of habit. And understand, so people complain all the time to me about their customers. You are the one who went and got them. guy says, broke people are showing up at my seminars. Well, who invited them in? You did. By how you advertised, where you advertised, what you said. You attracted the broke people. They couldn't have found you if you didn't put up a sign that said, broke people welcome. Mm -hmm. They wouldn't know to come in. Four, predetermined limiting beliefs, bad attitudes about money. Number five, permitting easy price comparisons. Number six, not offering premium options. Seven, not collecting for access. Financial advisor who does the plan for free, why? The chiropractor who starts treatment, charges by the visit, at least charge, a new patient setup fee. How about annual membership, not charging for access? And last, stupidity about economics, which gets us to the last point. Where does power in the marketplace come from? So Amazon is an enormously powerful company. Where is their power coming from? destroying everybody else's price and profit with the power of Wall Street money. But when it runs out, they may find themselves not in a powerful position. Disney, on the other hand, has enormous power in the marketplace with super premium pricing. They can create an incredible wow experience. So one of the things I noticed about Amazon, so I get books from Amazon. I don't personally, I mean, I scribble it on a Post-it note, and Vicky gets books from Amazon. But they come to me, right? And they come in a crappy brown thing. And a lot of times people will send me a book as a gift directly from Amazon, and it comes in a crappy brown thing, and it doesn't even have a card in it that tells me who it came from. Well, the economics are so tight, they're sitting around trying to figure out, can we put it in a crappier brown thing? Can we find something even thinner that won't fall apart until the minute it arrives at the other end? And can we figure out how to make a label even uglier and crappier than it already is? If that'll save us, that's, you know, that's what happens when you put that kind of pressure on yourself. Going on in businesses all over the place right now, all right? Hospitals, crappier, crappier, crappier. Hotels, crappier, crappier, crappier. Casinos, right? No people. Where's the free drink person? There is no free drink person anymore. Where's the cigarette? No, no cigarette. It's like one person for fifty-five thousand square feet of people playing slot slot machines. You can push the button for the free drink. You ain't going to get a free drink because there's only one person. Right? Because they're trying to figure out how they can squeeze a little more cost reduction out of this thing. Disney's doing the opposite. How can we spend some more money? Make this a better experience for everybody. What can we do? Right? There's all sorts of touches. And I know, I know the bean counters go in there all the time. Eisner talked about it in his book. Because the temptation is almost irresistible. You could walk around. You don't have to be a bean counter. You can just be me. You can walk around. You can see all sorts of ways you could save money that, quote, quote, nobody would notice. It's amazing, though, somebody would notice. So, like, you could change. They have these big floral arrangements in the lobbies of all the resorts. I don't know, flowers from nothing, right? Right? You could take them real flowers out of there. You could put fake flowers in there and never have to water them again. Just dust them every six months. I would know the difference. Carla's a flower freak. She, like, runs to that thing, knows every flower that's in there and examines it and takes pictures of it with her little phone. She would know the difference. But here's something nobody would notice. She would think there's these big expanses of just grass. Nobody walks on it. Nobody's allowed to walk on it. Well, artificial turf. You know how much money you'd save with artificial turf? If you just here and there. The famous story of the fence posts. When you go to Magic Kingdom, the fence thing, the stanchions with the white chain on it. They paint it every night. Every night. 365 nights out of the year. They paint it every night. Every, Every. every link, every everything from the beginning to end and they time it by the weather waiting as l- close to morning as they can to paint it and still have it dry so nothing spoils it before the start of the day now somebody has come in to Iger's office and they did go into Eisner's office, Eisner tells a story about a guy coming in with a list of you know, 286 different ways we can save money including how about if we paint the fence every other day and it all adds up, we'd save $40 million a year if we just did these things that nobody would notice. So how many of you have seen Saving Mr. Banks movie? Okay, the rest of you need to see it. So it's, there's license, but one absolutely true story in it is Walt showing her, P.L. Travers, around Disneyland. Uh, I'm within five minutes, by the way, for those of you that are worried about this at the back. Um, and I started five minutes I think but don't make any difference. so he shows her the spires on the castle at Disneyland the Cinderella castle and he says they're painted with 20 carat gold not gold paint 20 carat gold paint and Roy pitched a fit when I wanted to do it Roy kept tracking the money he said, so I waited till Roy was out of town, and then we went and got 20 karat gold paint, and we painted them. They're way up there. Who would know? And Walt says, I would know. Powerful, powerful stuff. So Disney has power in the marketplace because of my kind of formula. They put themselves in an economic position through their price strategies to spend, to acquire, to satisfy, to wow, to retain. And it seems now neither company is vulnerable. But if I had to bet on which one lives the longest and you wanted me to place a bet, I'd bet on Disney any day of the week. Somebody will figure out how to do Amazon even cheaper than Amazon has figured out how to do Amazon. Jeff Bezos himself, if you haven't read the book, The Everything Store, you should read it by Brad Stone. He gave him incredible access. It's an incredible book. It's a great, how many of have read the book? Very good. But for those of you that haven't, that's a book to go order. It's by Brad Stone called The Everything Store. And it's all about Amazon, it's all about Bezos. And Bezos in the book himself, in a moment of great candor, says we may not be here a decade or two from now. He understands what he's doing. He's no dubby. And he understands the vulnerabilities of what he's doing. Disney will, I think, outlive them because they have the superior power strategy in the marketplace. So I encourage you to hunt for, develop, and exploit your path to power from price strategies that can give it to you. You've been listening to one of our gold members-only podcasts. Make sure you upgrade and become a Diamond member and get access to the Diamond members-only podcast as well. On top of that, you'll also get access to the whole enchilada with all dance courses and so much more. So make sure you upgrade to Diamond now by going to diamondupgrade.com.